You are listening to the Uncommon Truth Podcast, produced by the Father's House Church in Oroville, California. I'm Luke, and we created this podcast because we want to explore Christianity the way that Jesus intended it to be. If you're interested in joining us on this journey, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, or for more resources, check out changeoroville.org. I have had so much download. I've had more download this week and this last 24 hours especially on these verses than any I can't remember the last time. It's just, and so if we go an hour or two, you're all right? Yeah. I mean, it's just brand. I don't ever have very many notes. I have highlights, and this thing's just full, so that means I'll be totally confused and might take me an hour or two to straighten it out. Is that all right? Yeah. I'm only kidding. It ain't going to, you know, I'm on a clock. They click, some guy starts playing the guitar. I'm kind of, they shove me off. I don't have any, I only have so much time, right? All right, so I, as promised, we've been lost sheep, lost coin, now we're lost son, and now we're another lost son. We are another confused son. And that's the second brother in the story of the pot prodigal. And if you're, you haven't been with us in this ongoing saga, this young man says to his dad, give me my inheritance. And in, those, in, in their culture, being the younger brother, he was due a third. And the older brother was due two-thirds. So the father put together the third and gave it to him. And he went out and he squandered it in loose living, it says, meaning he squandered it. And um, he comes home and the father sees him far off and gets excited and gives him, um, a, puts a robe on him and has his servants put a gold ring on him and put sandals on his feet. And this young man came home to his father's house expecting to submit as a servant. Maybe I can get a job in his house. But the father brought him back as a son and killed the fatted calf and had a celebration. Well, that's where we find this. We find this... Uh, um, where is this? And he had a second son. You know, every, I got everything right, but the now his older son, verse 25, I think it is. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he, the, the older brother, became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. And he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I've been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your wealth and prostitutes with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And, and the father said to the son, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live, was lost and has been found. Now that last verse, that, that's, that's the best part, you know. That's the one, you know, and I've told you in the past weeks, and if you weren't here, I'll repeat it for you. I've heard this story preached on more than any other story I know. In the last 20 years, this has been the trend to preach on this. Go to a conference, somebody's preaching on this. It's everywhere, the prodigal son. And last week we talked about the son that took off, the son that, you know, didn't want to be under his father's love. 
and the one that stayed home. And when he saw it, he revealed something in this that's, that's quite disturbing, actually. The father says to him, my son, you have always been with me, and all that I've had is yours. It just reveals something very, very terrible about this son's life he's lived. I've always obeyed, always been with you, always been devoted to you. But he became angry at his brother's resurrection, let's say. Not rejoiced, not loving his brother, but jealous and angry. And it says here he became angry. And what this story reveals more than anything, I think, is he didn't really know his father. He wasn't like his father. He didn't know his father. He didn't realize the access he had to his father. He didn't know that all the, that all the fatted calves were his. You see, if there's three-thirds and one guy runs off with one, the other two-thirds belong to you. His father's still in control for as long as he lives. And his goal as a son is to make his father famous. And in doing that, and to make his father successful, to prosper his father. And everything that he prospers his father with will one day be his. What this father is saying, that's the, that's the outward, worldly view of inheritance. What this father is saying is that this son missed the real view of inheritance. It was always yours now. Just like his was his now, he could request it and receive it, squander it, and totally blow it. You could have always had yours too. And I look at what we, are, what we do as Christians. What does Christianity look like today? What does the church look like today? Does it look like the son that ran off and squandered the inheritance of the cross? Squandered the inheritance of the most important thing, the indwelling spirit of God? squandered the inheritance of the cattle on a thousand hill and, and the streets paved with gold have, gold? have we squandered the inheritance of love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, just like the young son? Or are we like the older son, living in the inheritance and not enjoying it? Living in the inheritance and having no benefit from it? Are we people who walk around in total totally bound by our medical conditions, by our ailments, our afflictions, our monetary position in the world, our status in business, or our, our failure, or our success in life? Are we, like this young man, completely bound by the lies that we believed around us instead of the truth that he is? His father says, my son, you're freaking out about a calf? You wanted a goat? All the goats and calves were yours. All the gold rings were yours. All the robes, all the honor was yours. You were always with me. Let's look. You were always with me. Always obedient. Always doing the right thing. But you missed one thing. And let me tell you what I think you and I are missing the same as him. And we miss it. We might hit it five times a day, but miss it 500 times a day. We're missing it. Let me tell you about Adam. Adam was set in the garden. He had fellowship with God on a daily basis. He was connected with God. God's, him and God would walk in the garden together. I almost melt over that idea. 
Oh my gosh, what he had. And Adam, Adam knew it. And he walked with God. He was naming animals. Let's call that a fish. Hey, those are different fish. Now we have to have subcategories. We've got to name that one a carp and that one a trout. And that, I mean, we've got, to name, you know, we've got to figure this out. And all those that walk on four legs, you know. Oh, no. I mean, Adam's naming them with God. He's defining creation with God. He is connected to him. God comes daily to commune with Adam. And God says this thing to him. He says, see this tree? It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat that because on the day you eat that, you will die. Well, Adam ate it. He, let's get back. He's communing with God. Adam is one with God in a way that you and I would so much want to be. I mean, we should. If you don't want to be one with God like that, you have missed the boat. The ship sailed without you. On the, when the roll is called up yonder, you're not going to be there. If that's not your heart to be one with God like that, I want that. When I read about Adam, one, oneness with God, his, his dependence, his total uh, provision is God himself. I'm like, just like, wow. And God says, you will surely die. And a serpent talks to his wife, and his wife talks to him that, you know, you're sitting at the wrong table. Park here. Eat that, bro, eat that, eat that. And he did it. He ate it. The world system deceived them. His wife convinced him to give up what he had for the knowledge of good and evil. You imagine not knowing evil, not even not even having a concept of evil. All things are what they are, and that makes them all good. God created them and said, "It is good," and that everything's good until you eat that. And He ate it, and there was this oneness with God that tore apart. And God cursed him, and God told him His curse and said. All of your descendants, and dang it, that's me. I am in the lineage of Adam. C.S. Lewis calls us all sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. We are. And there's this separation from God from the beginning of time when Adam failed and ate that. And now every one of us get to an age when we're little, little babies, we are so innocent, we don't even understand good and evil. But there comes a day where we become knowledgeable of good and evil. We come to the age of reasoning, and this is, that is bad. But I'm going to do it. My sleeping boy here in the front row, second row, he, the way, the way we, the way we, he, you know, you just saw it happen. He was way older, but he's reaching for the outlet. Don't touch that. He looks at you. He has just arrived at the age of reasoning. He has just decided to do what is wrong because, and, and to know it's wrong and to do it. And you know, he has arrived. Not little babies do that too, but there's this day when you know your children have decided to choose to do wrong instead of choosing to do right. 
And that's that day we are. Man is separated from God as far as the east is from the west. There's a great chasm that man cannot bridge. And then Jesus comes along and he makes a bridge. He becomes the bridge. He is the bridge. He says, I come to show you the Father. No man comes to the Father lest he come through me. He's the bridge that puts man back. And the intention is exactly the relationship Adam had. Paul, I think it's Paul, tried to explain it, the first Adam, the second Adam, got all kind of sometimes confusing. First Adam tore us apart. And just as the first Adam tore us apart, the second Adam, Jesus, brought us back together. The dependence on God, like Adam had. The fellowship with the Father. The indwelling Holy Spirit, I will make my home in you. Do nothing until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you so that you will be with me in paradise for eternity. This was the goal of the cross. And this young man, he didn't have, he is the, he is the picture, he's the, the drawing of man's separation from the Father. We have our Father, we live in his house, we obey him, we do everything for all these reasons. And we do everything so that he might accept us instead of doing everything because he has accepted us. We do everything based on what we don't see and what we don't have. Can't tell you, the number one cause of destruction in people's life is going after what they don't have because their heart longs for what they don't have. Like Adam and the apple. I want, she was told there was something he could have to become more like God. And he loved God so much he wanted to be like him and he went and did what God told him not to do. And just like that, you and I are just like that. And people in my office all the time are just like that. Constantly yearning and aching for what they don't have. Instead of celebrating and living in the daily breath in, breath out of what they do have. You are the air I breathe, we sing sometimes. You're the song I sing. Jesus said, it isn't what goes into a man that defiles him, it's what comes out of a man that defiles him. What goes in and out of you? What, what lives in you and comes out of you? Is it that connection with your father that Adam had? Is that walking in oneness in the Holy Spirit that Jesus gave us? When our Father goes out and rescues the wretched soul who lives under the bridge, do we celebrate? Do we run to him with the fatted calf and the gold ring and the robe and the sandals? Do we make his life comfortable? Do we clean him up and give him part of our inheritance? I am, I, I am, I stand apart from most of the prayer I hear people pray. It is not the prayer that God would want, that God would have us pray being reunited. The prayer that God would have us pray is a prayer of trusting in Him. Bad things happen to me all the time. My house burns down, my granddaughter's sick for three years and then finally dies. My associate pastor dies slowly, leaving four children, breaks us and breaks our hearts. On the day when catastrophe happens, who are you? What comforts you? What, what is your situation? For this boy to come and find his dad giving more of his inheritance to this guy? What is your reaction? What is it you see? Does, does your vision 
Is your vision based on what others can't see? Since the world can't see God, they fashion the world in a certain way. Is that how you walk? You walk the way they tell you to walk? You, you experience God the way they tell you to experience God? You believe in God the way they tell you how to believe in God? Or do you believe in God the way He tells you to believe in Him? To be one with Him and dependent on Him. They tell you if you have no money, you're in trouble. He tells you, who cares about money? He'll take care of you. They tell, he tells you if you have no health insurance. They tell you you're doomed if you don't have health insurance. He tells you, why do you worry about that? Don't you know me? Don't you know your father will give good things to his children who ask him? I guess the only question to them is, am I his children? This father told his son, all that I had has always been yours. Are you one of those that walk correctly in his spirit, but do not access all the, all the fattened calves and the gold rings and the robes? Do you walk in this world saying you're a Christian, saying you're a believer, Jesus lives in my heart, but you don't access any of the benefits of walking in that, like, 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 like love? I love that sermon, who gave you permission to quit loving? Do you walk in love to the lo un unlovable? Do you walk in love to the weak and, and, and feeble? Do you have peace and kindness in your heart? Does the Holy Spirit get to answer the questions you're asked? Number one question, how, you, how are you? I probably asked 10 times more than any other question on earth. Hey, how you doing? Or how are you? Yeah, right? Probably 10 to 1. And the answers are baffling. I ask them on purpose over and over for the same people to see if there will ever be a different answer. I'm alive, aren't I? Number one answer, I'm here or alive, aren't I? Well, that's the extent of your experience with God as a creation of God. You look at the creation of God and you see, we are so far above the animal kingdom. We are so far superior to the animal kingdom because we're made in his image. We are so far above them. Everything you're sitting on was fabricated and put together from something else. The metal in the chairs, the fabric in the chairs, the carpet you walk on, the steel the building's made out of. It's all this magical thing that comes from the mind of man who is made in the image of God. No other animal does this. No other creature can, can have fields of, waving, what is it, fields of grain to feed them next year. No other animal can freeze their, their, their food so it's good for the next season. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are so far above God. How do we use this incredible nature that's given to us? Paul the Apostle, when he wanted to pray for you, you know what he wanted to pray for you? Not that you'd have a house and a bed to sleep in, a car to drive, comfort. He wanted to pray that God would open the eyes of your heart, that you would know him better. He wanted you to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would know him better. The goal of every human being that wants back what Adam lost, to be connected to their father in heaven and not live in the household of God and be so wrong as this guy is colossally wrong and have the fatted calf, and have the robe and the ring, and have the sandals for your feet, but never access them because you don't know they're yours. 
to never walk in what God has given you and never know what he gave you. So many of us, including me, get called by God and it's not our first pursuit of the day. He called, here I am, Lord, I'm coming. So often the world takes us aside, whispers in our ear, calls from the wall. We played for you and you would not dance for us. And I say, oh, I'll dance for you. And we, we forget what God has called us to do and be in love, kindness, goodness, peace, patience, all these benefits of the kingdom that belong to me because I, I, the king is my father. Because the spirit of the king lives in me. My hand becomes his hand. My mouth becomes his mouth. And I complain, you gave this to so-and-so. He has a big church. And you didn't, my son, you've always been faithful. This son, he, he starts listing off. I've always been obedient. I've been here every day. I did this, I did that. But he couldn't see, he couldn't possess, and he just couldn't have what God wanted him to have. What his father already gave him. I am a man sitting next to a bubbling stream of pure, clean water, dying of thirst. I am sitting on a pile of bread, dying of hunger. This young man is so like us. The affliction that this man walked in is so prevalent in the Christian church today, in the Father's house, is the only voice I have is with you. And I beg you to come with me. I am so adamantly desiring to understand all the good things I have in Christ. The sixth verse of Philemon, Paul says to Philemon, it is my prayer for you that you would understand and come to a knowledge of every good thing you have in Christ Jesus. He understood that people can have abundance in Christ Jesus and never possess it. They can have an abundance in Christ Jesus and never see it. Instead, they, they take what others can't see and make that their vision. They can make what others can't do and make that their, their, their daily life. What they accomplish in life is what others can't accomplish. May that, they, they use that as their, their line is what I'm trying to say. They, the, what they can't accomplish, well, if they can't accomplish it, neither can I. That's my operating procedure. I can't either. Instead of just asking the Father, what is mine? And he gives them an incredible, incredible array of blessing, of strength, of goodness, of love, of wisdom. Oh my gosh, God's wisdom that is yours. God's wisdom. You know that in the, he promises you that you could have the mind of Christ if you want it. How many of you have the mind of Christ? You can brag, I have Christ, and I think just like Jesus. How many of us have that? Yet it was ours from the day of our forgiveness. The day we were filled with the Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ. How about the heart of God? The heart of God is promised to every believer filled with the Holy Spirit. The wisdom of God. See what I'm saying? The benefit package. You will lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. We all want it, but we want it like a magic wand. Just like this guy wants it. He wants to be given what, he's already, what he already has. He wants to be given his birthright. And yet it's a birthright because you got it from being born. <clears throat> I woke up this way. 
I went to an altar in March 10th, 1975, and I died, and I woke up this way. That's who we're supposed to be. I now have a new father. Who's your daddy now? My father in heaven. Who's your mama? Your mama's not here, Gary. No, your mama is here. It's your father in heaven. He's your daddy, your mama. He's your brother, your sister. He's your family. He's the spirit inside of you. He's the spirit that gives you hope. How much lack of hope is there in this room? This hope, this, this hope belongs to you because of what Jesus did on the cross. This power to live and to be on fire. People literally get mad on me at me for being on fire. I'm like, I, you want me to turn my light down? Who turns, who's supposed to turn their light down? Who's, you're supposed to put a basket over it? I thought the opposite was true. A basket over it? No. So let your light shine amongst men. Do you not know that you are the salt of the earth? You're the way. You're the truth. You're the life. If you follow Jesus. You say, you never gave me the life. My son, the minute you came to me, you had the life. It was always yours. Why wouldn't you trust me and live in the life? The life was the light of men. Why wouldn't you live in the power of your Father who art in heaven, who gives us our daily bread, who forgives us as we forgive? Why would you not receive what God has given you? Accept the position you live in. He is your daily bread. He is your living water. He is our truth and our way and our life. And we are that, all of those things. We are the bread that came down from heaven for this world. The world is beating us up, people. The world is holding us down because we won't see the truth of God in front of us. Maybe you, if you want to go raise the dead today, how about you work on love today? Let's work on the things that really matter. Loving the unlovable, having peace in turmoil, sleeping through the storms of life, accepting what happens to us and saying, Praise the Lord, Father. And when bad things happen, when the house burns down, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you put your spirit in me. Thank you for it. I get to know and have a revelation of your love for me. This should be our prayer. And when we pray for others, Father, help them know you love them. Help them see your hand in their life. Help them know your peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and truth. Help them know you, Father. That should be our prayer. You ask God, what do you want me to pray for? A new car. No, he did not. He said, I want you to pray to know me better. To be back in union like Adam was. To walk with me daily like Adam did. To come and name creation with me like Adam did. I came and suffered a cross to restore you to the relationship that Adam had. Filled with the spirit that Jesus walked in. Living the promise that we will make our home in you. And that you don't have to worry about what you'll eat or what you'll wear or where you'll live or where you'll go. 
You don't have to worry about that, for I am with you and I will never forsake you. Never, ever forsake you. Though you are unfaithful, I will always be faithful, he said. Wake up in the morning. Here we are, Jesus. What's this day about? I'm with you, Jesus. God called out to so many patriarchs and they said, here I am, Lord. Here I am. What that means is, I'm with you, Lord. I'm with you. Yes, Lord. Where are we going today? Because we're together, Lord. I don't want any more knowledge of good and evil. I don't want any more evil. I don't want any more of that in my life. I don't want to consider the world system. Jesus said, the, the prince of this world is coming. He said this to his disciples. Prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. You be in me. And you'll have nothing of the prince of this world. But you and I, all we care about is what the prince of this world is saying. And you and I need to be not like either the prodigal or his brother. If I was to choose to be like anybody, be the prodigal sitting in the hog pen saying, I remember my father's love. I remember his kindness and his goodness. And though I have sinned greatly, maybe he will show me kindness. I'm going to go back to him. That might be the only person I'd want to be like in this story. Or I'd like to be like the Father, I guess. But there's a story about God in heaven and how he looks at you. And I think most of us are like that older brother. People come to me and say, you know, I don't have a testimony of being a drug addict. I've always followed the Lord. I, I have no memories from third grade. I remember giving my life to the Lord and I've always been faithful. When do I get noticed? When do I get recognized? My son, you have always been with him. All that he has, all that recognition in heaven has always been yours. You've always been able to have communion with me. It's up to you. Let's pray. I'm sure I could preach two more sermons on this. Stop praying for what you already have. Start possessing what's already been given. Don't let what, they, what others don't have, the limitations of their life, be the, don't let their floor be your ceiling. Don't let their limitations be what stops you. Father, thank you for loving us. There is no greater prayer I know of than, Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us the Father, Jesus. Thank you for knowing us and letting us know you. But today, Lord, I ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, for there are people in this crowd at all different places along the road of the prodigal. Some of them in the hog pen, some of them on their way to the hog pens. And some of them are on their way home from the hog pens, Lord. And some of them are that faithful son, being obedient, following diligently. And Lord, I ask you, Father, for my people here in the Father's house, my brothers, my sisters, my friends, Lord, my sons, my daughters, I pray, Lord, that you would open the eyes of their heart, that you would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that they might know you better, that they might come to an understanding and knowledge of every good thing they have in Jesus Christ, that we, Lord, would know what you bought for us on the cross, how you restored us to the Father and that we can pray our Father in heaven and it be true you really are our Father we depend on you 
Lord, this is what I pray for my people, my friends, my family, my loved ones. This is what I want for every person. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us Jesus, filling us with your spirit. Thank you, Father, for helping us see the truth in times of trouble, peace in times of turmoil, helping us see what others can't see. We are your sons. We know what others don't know. Lord, help us show them and tell them what you know. Any of this prayer is something you can say amen to? Can you say amen again? Can you think about what I just prayed? Think of one thing I just prayed and say amen. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast today. I hope this episode encouraged you, inspired you, maybe even challenged you to keep seeking after everything Jesus has for you and the life he calls you to live. If you haven't already, please take a moment and subscribe to the Uncommon Truth Podcast. That way you'll get every episode each week when it's released. It would really help us if you could rate and review and even share this podcast with anyone that you think would be encouraged by it. Help us spread the message to more people so that we can all live out this Christianity the way Jesus intended it to be. If you would like to get in touch with us, have any questions about the podcast, the topics, or even like us to pray for you, you can do so by emailing us at uncommontruthpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.